No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and with me on the podcast this week, I have the wonderful Michelle Covington here to talk about her experiences growing up uh, very Catholic, very Catholic, uh, like capital V, capital C Catholic, and I had many questions and had to focus to really not make her an ambassador for her faith, um, but still had a great time talking with her and asking her many questions about how the faith manifests in a modern person these days and what it means to be a practicing Catholic in this world full of bad, awful things that happens. But to her credit, she is a, a sunny, charming, patient person who deals with many, many crying babies on a daily basis, but uh, I absolutely get her understanding of the world where, look, you're adults, you know better than this, be better, do better. I expect more from you. Um, she's very much uh, my kind of people, um, but she definitely was a, a massive, massive game change and lifeline for my wife and I when we first brought our daughter into daycare and uh, we're just able to grill her with so many questions about like, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, is this normal, is this healthy, is this okay? And she would basically say, yeah, you're doing fine. She's going to be okay. <laughs> uh, a lot of new parents are very con concerned and cautious about what their kids are like, and she is just uh, a bastion of confidence and reassurance. So she's just a really wonderful person with a great outlook and uh, a lot of interesting things to say. So thank you, Michelle, for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. You were really great to talk with. Um, as you can tell, in a little under the weather this week, it's also the joys of having a kiddo who brings home all sorts of crud and... Uh, Summertime cold, so I'm all hopped up on cold medicine and feeling like a head full of uh, cotton. But if you have any questions, comments, concerns, criticism, feedback, asks, or things you want to just share, please reach out at yourdead2 at gmail.com or at yourdead2 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm available and happy to uh, interact and take whatever I can to hear what you're thinking because it's fun to do this in a vacuum. Sure, I love talking with people, especially about the subject matter, but uh, I want to know what you're thinking. It's, it's really great to hear people's different takes on things and if you can please leave a message and uh you know rate and review on itunes and do all that jazz where you let the world know of, here's what you think about it because if i don't have people saying here's what they think nobody else is gonna know i think it's at, at least mediocre <laughs> you know i'm i'm marginally proud of what i'm doing but if you'd like to tell the people what i'm doing be very helpful, and I'd appreciate that. So, uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. It means the world that anybody would take time out of their busy day to listen to somebody like myself ask questions and uh, rant and ramble about death and the unknown with uh, a number of different people here in the Midwest. So, uh, thank you. It really it means the world. I appreciate it, and uh, happy listening. Say hello. Hello. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, I have with me today Michelle Covington. Hi. I try to think of how to describe Michelle to the listeners. She is uh, a lifeline uh, that my wife and I had when we became parents. We were both very controlling, um, organized, uptight people. We are working on that, but there's no bigger grenade to throw into somebody's personal life than having a child and when we finally got to the point of bringing our daughter into daycare michelle was 
an absolute gem of a person and a lifeline and a calm reassuring presence in our life so thank you for being an awesome person (laughs) no problem it's it's what i love to do and so since then michelle's become uh, a very integral part of our lives and uh like i said just a backbone of good vibes calm reassurance (laughs) and just i get it solidarity i've been there just whatever we've dealt with you've seen you've been there you've had it yep i I don't know that I've seen it all, but I've seen a lot. <laughs> so how long have you been doing what you've been doing? I have been working in childcare for five and a half years. Was this, so you started when you were 12? <laughs> no. <laughs> we were joking before we started here, Michelle is most likely the youngest person I know in a like non-relative, like I have relatives who are younger, but like anybody in my life, I think you are on the, the lowest cusp of like young people where like, I have to check what I say around you where like, is that, is she going to get the joke there? Or I don't think that's like, <laughs> you make me sound like I'm so young. I'm really not that young. No, I just, I feel <laughs> that old. I think is what it is. <laughs> um, but so you've been in childcare for five years. Yes. Was that what you had been intending to do? Like, did you know what you wanted to do from an earlier age? Uh, that's a challenging question because I've always loved working with children. Um, they've always been my passion. I did not go to college for early childhood education, though. Um, I was advised at the time that there was not a ton of jobs in education, which is no longer true. Yeah. It was when I was looking at jobs when I was in high school, but that's not the case anymore. It's just a crazy cycle of how supply and demand of different careers change so quickly. And who was that? Your parents saying that, or was that? And that was my parents. Saying okay, that, I couldn't tell which... if that was a high school guidance counselor kind of a thing too. No, that was my father. Ooh. Which part of me wishes I was more rebellious and said no? I want to teach. Like I'm going to go to college for education, but I didn't. And I love what I went to college for. Um, Which was? I went to college for agronomy, and I also minored in ag business. So I understand the business side of the world. And Yeah. I have many questions about that. I could honestly throw everything else I wanted to talk about and just ask you questions about, like, animal husbandry, raising cattle, and, like... And don't ask me questions about animals. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's been a while since um, then. Plants? Yes. Ooh. Because cool. agronomy is dealing with... Oh, so I was way off. Like, in the flora fauna spectrum, I was the wrong one. Yes. Okay. Agronomists deal with... Um, they deal with plants. They don't deal with animals. So okay. they're the ones that are going to advise the farmers on, hey, maybe try planting this variety of corn this year because of these conditions you have in your field that we've seen in the past. Um, This one's more resistant to drought and we're predicting a dry year, things like that. Or when you're out scouting their fields and you're like, well, you have this weed, this weed, and this weed, what should I spray? 
and making the educated choice of not just throwing Roundup on it and calling it good <laughs> because that's how you create resistance and mm-hmm. a whole new plethora of issues. That's how Monsanto gets you. Yes. So is that based on strictly the Midwestern? Like, did you specialize in a region for that? Or was that like general climate variations of like in arid soils, this is what you would try to do? Or in like, you know, California wine country, these are why the varietals of grapes grow this way. Or is it strictly were you looking at um, grain and like bulk uh, farm crops? Yeah, it was mostly just what we would grow in the Midwest. We did explore some of the other regions and we have general basic knowledge on them, but we didn't spend like in-depth time with them so could i remember anything about them no (laughs) if it's any consolation i studied philosophy and i retained just enough to really screw up my sense of self and like what i trust as a foundation of an observable world and beyond that like i really couldn't tell you the difference between kierkegaard and like well nietzsche's fun but like you know there's they all kind of (laughs) just it's problem solving that's all i chalk it up to so when you did that that wasn't something that you were intending to follow as your life's work? Like, how did you get from there, graduating with an agronomy degree, to working in childhood education and development? Well, I started working in the daycare on campus as a work-study program in college. So Okay. Because it was something I had done my whole life. I've always been babysitting. I have three younger siblings. I've always been taking care of someone and so it just kind of comes naturally and i'm like okay that's a nice stress reliever between classes yeah i'll go hold a baby (laughs) and then coming out of college i moved to the middle of nowhere north dakota because that's where my boyfriend was Uh. not a great choice but you live and you learn. Mm-hmm. And so living there, it was very much the good old boys club. So they were not ready for a female agronomist yet. There was plenty of opportunities, lack of wanting to hire a female, and expecting that a, fe- a young female knew anything about what she was talking about. So that is so short sighted, if nothing else, for the fact that you were fresh out of college. Like, what should have been the cutting edge of like these are the, the things science that we science and technology? And they're like, Well, you didn't grow up on a farm, you are a girl. What do you know about farming? And I'm like, Oh, the I feeble know a lot. female <laughs> brain can't comprehend how to possibly feed that. That's just so short sighted. Yes, that's so sad. And But, you know, it worked out the way it did because I met this lady. Her name's Susie. Great lady. And I ended up working in her home daycare for a while, which was great for me because eventually that is my goal, to have my own home daycare Hmm. when I am married and have a family of my own because I want to be able to be with my kids and that's a way I can do that and still do what I love. Sure. So, Well, it's something that I would say you certainly feel natural doing. I had a previous guest on, Kevin, who kind of fought against 
his natural inclinations of being a teacher, not even thinking of it as a sense of like, why would I ever pursue this? But just as this thing of like, the joke I made at the time was Clark Kent trying a bunch of different stuff and being like, well, I always fall back on this old crime fighting thing. It's like, this is the thing you're made to do. (laughs) Like, this is a natural, like, why don't you want to like, I guess, you know, Michael Jordan could try playing hoops if all else fails. Like, you are you are made for this. Like, you are just so rock solid around kids. I mean, I know having stepped into your classroom on what you consider a tough day, <laughs> what that can be like. It is trying enough dealing with one child of your own that you love unconditionally, let alone, what's the maximum? Is it four or five on your own? On my own, I can have four. On four, okay. So four babies that are not biologically your own all teething at the same time or if they're all getting the flu and passing it around, like that is, that requires a patience and a fortitude of character that I think is lacking in many people in modern society. I I have patience for children. Ask me to be patient around adults is a whole different story because in my mind, they're kids. They don't know any better. This is what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to push boundaries and especially with the age group I work with, they're supposed to cry. That's what, that's how they communicate. Yeah, they. it's pretty binary. They're either laughing or like it's like inside out, just like the happy button or the sad button. That's kind yeah. of it. Yeah. They don't have a ton of choices at this point. No. So like crying is what they're supposed to do. And you just have to learn to decipher it. And adults, they know better. Yeah. And so I just can't handle adult stupidity. (laughs) Like, they should have had the opportunity to, like, run into this before, learn from the events, figure out why did this go wrong, and then not do it. I actually, to sound like I really have my life together, stopped at the liquor store today, picked up a couple bottles of wine, and... Uh, put them in the back seat and then placed something over them so that they wouldn't, you know, move around in the car. And I thought very clearly to myself, how many times have I been in the car with somebody else who picked up a bottle of wine for like a work function or, you know, a party that you're going to at your friend's place or like a housewarming kind of a thing. And there's just a bottle of wine rolling around in the back seat. And you want to ask like, you you bought this. You put this back there. Why didn't you... Th- like, have you never had a can of soda blow up in your car? Like, I've had that happen. It's a tidal wave under your seats. You're an adult. You should know better. Make, make better choices. Think before you do things. That's asking a lot of people, though. Yeah. I mean, heaven forbid we use the brains that we have in our heads. <laughs> so, uh, you've been here in... You're born and raised in Minnesota, correct? No. No. I was born in Missouri. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Every time Um, you say this, I forget this. I'm so bad with people's origins. I assume everybody's from Minnesota because I moved here and everybody in my life is here. So you were born in Missouri. Your family came to... Belle Plaine. That's right. When I was almost five. No, five. Math's hard. I can take care of kids, but math is hard. There's no test later. You're fine. (laughs) We moved here in 2000. Cool. So most of my life, I have been here. So you would have been pretty young in 2000 that didn't feel necessarily like culture shock. That wasn't like going from Paris to Guam. This was, you know, from... I mean, the snow was definitely something we had to get used to. And like, 
we had winter boots and snow pants and stuff, but we quickly realized that they were not what you needed in Minnesota winters. And that first winter happened to be like a very intense winter. We had lots of snow that winter. And so it was very fun as a little kid, but I'm sure my parents were like, what did we just do? Why? We could have gone <laughs> anywhere that would have suited these conditions. We chose Minnesota, miniature Canada. Yeah. yeah. But it was my dad's job that brought us up here because they needed someone within an hour of the Minneapolis airport at the time. So okay. it ended up being a blessing because um, my youngest brother has spina bifida and some of the best spina bifida doctors are in the Twin Cities. So Very cool. I truly believe that there is a God and he has a plan for us. Okay. And so jumping off of that, I was going to look for a segue into that. And you've just beautifully like on a platter. That was <laughs> I just great. handed it to you. Yeah. So were you raised particularly uh, religious or was it something you found on your own? Where did that come from? I am a cradle Catholic. So... I, I've never heard that term, and I have been around Catholicism for a long time. I've never heard that. Oh, I don't know. My mom uses it. Okay. Cradle That's Catholic. where I learned it. So from, so, from, from the, the start. Okay. Um, so I often feel that converts are better educated because when you come into the church, you're like quizzed on things. Where growing up Catholic, you learn what comes across when you come across it. And so, like, sometimes I feel like I'm not the best person to, like, defend my faith or answer, um, what does the Catholic Church teach? Because there's a lot to know. And so I'm always very cautious saying well this is what i think the answer is but let me check to see what the church actually teaches on that right and i mean we all have our opinions on whether we think we agree with it or it's something that we struggle with so okay it's not fair to people to make them the Face of face of an organization without their acceptance or participation. That I have had uh, a couple of other friends and family down here as um, pretty religious or practicing Catholic, and I did not want to make them basically answer for the crimes of the church and explain all of it. like. No, this is this is not about somebody being the the tail end pipe of like everything that comes out of the Catholic church answer for this in your daily life. It's more so an organization that's built up to like, it's very easy to get the cart in front of the horse. Is any of this making sense? The idea yes. that like, this is about your personal faith and how you see the world. And that happens to have a hierarchy built around it and not so much being an advocate for a person like as a foot soldier to, does that? Yeah. Okay. Basically it's, it's a personal thing and it's not, um, you're not out there selling the brand. <laughs> I think those are priests that do that. 
Yes. Okay. So you were raised with it your whole life. This was just kind of your de facto. This is what was natural going to to do Saturday mass or Sunday. Um, growing up, it was almost always Sunday unless we had something weird going on Sunday morning. Usually, it was Sunday morning. <laughs> we ended up having a fundraiser breakfast or something, and that's when we would go Saturday nights. Sure. So. Was this, so this has stayed with you through your developmental years. You got confirmed and. um, The whole shebang. The whole shebang. Fully Catholic, big C. Still going on a regular basis to church around here, right? Yes. Okay. I, and this. The time fluctuates on when I go. Sure. And I can, I can (laughs) cut all this out, but I just want to see like, is your, do you think your priest is. Is that somebody you have any kind of relationship at all with, or no? Really? Um, I'm still very new to the parish I'm going to right now, um, and it's it's a big church, but I definitely enjoy the priest better at the church I'm going to than the priest at the church that I grew up in right really? now. So, what's the difference? If you don't mind sharing. Um, so my parents' church, their pre- their current priest is very doom and gloom. And it's just... <sighs> he has... I mean, we all have our own issues. But he has some bipolar... Th- he's got to be bipolar Ooh. issues going on. So you never know whether you're actually going to get a sermon on what the gospel was or whether you're just going to get this random rant that was in his head that day. That is intense. And like, it's easy to zone out and not get a message from that. But where I'm going now, the priests are very engaged and full of life and there's like a clear message and you're not confused as to okay what should i have gotten out of that so i enjoy that a lot more it just (laughs) speaks to me and i'm like okay i don't leave feeling worse than when i went in yeah it kind of fills your cup back up you're leaving energized and feeling good for the week rather than oh boy i really screwed up and they really yeah like that's that's not how i want to start my week because if you start your week in the dumps you're gonna have a rough week like babies are very keen on your emotions and they pick them all up yeah that's been interesting for me to experience going from somebody who is trying to close down as much as possible to be able to go into my nine to five to like not be overtly anxious about what I was doing and then getting from that to just freeing myself up when I left the bank and kind of letting that letting those nerves come back to life where I think of like sitting on your hand until it falls asleep like my sense of empathy as it's become less restricted I'm really aware around my kiddo how much that can have an impact of like all right you got to just shake it off she can pick up on this like just you got to let it go because that's not mojo that i want to have around her you also have to remember she's she's human she's going to have to experience human emotions and know that 
not every emotion is a positive emotion and that's okay it's okay to have a bad day it's okay to be sad those are all appropriate emotions and we all have those days i'm looking off in the distance now because that's it's you know the old what i learned in kindergarten like those are you literally work with children six months old and younger and yeah, that's still very applicable when I'm here at 35. Like, yeah, I should remember that, that not every day is going to be a barn burner. Oh, I still have to take, <laughs> excuse me, I still have to <laughs> tell myself that. And it's like, okay, it's just a bad day. Not every part of it was bad, though. Let's find a good thing that happened today and not dwell on the bad things. Yes, it's okay to feel those sad emotions, but we don't need to focus on them and dwell on them. Sure. Is I was raised being told that happiness is a choice. And so each day I strive to choose to be happy because it's more fun to be happy than to be sad. But I also know that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to have bad days. That's, I think that's why I like you so much because you, 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 <laughs> You get that intrinsically. That was part of your upbringing. You've made those choices, though, as you become a rational adult. And you you still are very kind and forgiving of little ones. But for adults, you should know better. Try to be better. Why would you not want to better yourself? There are I, so many people that you let's just... Let's strive for excellence here. Right? Like, I don't want to just barely slop through my daily life of, like, well, I didn't, you know, like... Make your bed, man. Just, like, <laughs> try to be a respectable adult. Like... Yeah. Do the At least minimum. go through the motions. Come on. Right. Yeah. Uh, as my dad would say, just get up and putter around, get dressed, and just you'll feel better if you just take a shower and get dressed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so many times I've heard that from my mom. Oh, just go take a shower. You'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, you know, get refreshed, get back into the, yeah. the mix. And I have some friends that they struggle with mental health and depression and often... One of the first things I'll say is, have you taken a shower today? I'm like, no. I'm like, go take a shower. Then we can talk. Mm-hmm. It's and a very, it's an easy rebirth thing. Yeah. And no, a shower's not going to solve the world's problems, but at least you're going to feel a little bit better when we start solving the world's problems mm-hmm. or attempting to. Mm-hmm. And then you know, too, if you're going to be on camera, you're clean. Yeah. Like, if something happens, you're presentable and ready to go. Yeah. So we've got a bit of background, got a little understanding of who Michelle is and kind of what the the mindset and the modality is. Here's where it gets fun. Michelle, what happens when we die? It depends on what kind of life you lived and your relationship with God. God with the big G or little G? With the big G. Okay. Like, if you lived a good life and you're sorry for the things that you should be sorry for, that you knew were wrong and you did them anyways, and you show repentance, you'll eventually go to heaven. Um, as Catholics, we believe there's a place called purgatory. And that's where you go when you die. And then there's two routes. There's the fun route where you go to heaven 
and the not as great route or the very very bad route honestly is going to hell and that's a dark and scary place i would imagine i don't know i've never been hope to never go (laughs) so it's and Take your time. Gather my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, no, take your time. You're totally fine here. And I can any long pauses, I can just cut those out too. Awesome. So as Catholics, we believe that when you're in purgatory, the people who love you on earth are praying for you. And it's through their prayers and prayers to through the saints and their intercessions that helps it helps get us to heaven not so sure on how but it does i know that's weird to just like blindly believe that just prayers will get you to heaven but it's what we believe and it's how I was raised like when someone dies you pray for them because you pray that they go to heaven and every time you're in mass on Sunday part of mass is praying for those who have died and you pray that they get to heaven how it works that's how you i was is that do you what is prayer to you like i've had this come up where people have put some novel concepts out there for me but that just really knocked me in the dirt where i hadn't considered that oh that that act itself is a, a prayer or a meditation is it a particular way of thinking or like do you engage a certain part of your brain when you're like okay now is the time to pray with a capital p like you pray like you bow your head and you know clasp your hands a certain way or how does that manifest for you there's different types of prayer there's very there's so many types of prayer but there are very formal types of prayers like your hands are clasped you're kneeling your head is bowed you're reciting formal prayers but just the simplest form of prayer it's just just sitting there and just talking with God. Like, you don't even have to talk. Just sit there and be in his presence. And as Catholics, sometimes we do that through, it's called adoration. And so you'll go to the church and the Blessed Sacrament is out And we believe that is the body and blood of Jesus. And so you sit there or kneel or stand, whatever. You are in the presence of the Eucharist. You are in the presence of the Eucharist. And you just talk. You You can say the formal prayers. You can say a rosary. Or you can just sit there and be with Jesus just he he knows what's on your heart he knows what's in your mind a little bit like 
talking to a psychic <laughs> where it's like, yeah. well, all right, we're going to have a conversation, but theoretically you're supposed to know everything that's about to come out of my mouth. So it's kind of a the child talking to the adult of God knowing what you're... He knows what like, we're going to ask for before we ask for isn't it. that cute? So. She's worried about this. <laughs> like, God already knows what you're asking about. Yeah, he he knows. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you're struggling with, what you're doing well. and He is a caring and forgiving God. He loves you no matter what you do. So, the caring and forgiving God... Sounds like a God of love, something that's, yes. you know, embracing of the creation, you know, all that's created. How does that line up with basically a heaven and hell? Like, how do you, on a personal level, reconcile the notion of if God is caring and God is love and forgiving, uh, how bad do you have to be? Like, do you not, I'm not asking for an example, but like, do you feel in your mind there is eventually a tipping point of like, this person could potentially have been saved or redeemed, but they just kept making the wrong choice over and over again and refused to look inward for the ability to, like, it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around, okay, if God is love and God is forgiving, also there's the permanent timeout room where, like, <laughs> you will be punished forever, no backsies. How do you personally reconcile those beliefs? Because that's something I've always struggled with. I feel like you have to be sorry. If you're oh. not sorry for the choices that you made, you're, say you made all these bad choices, you killed people, you, I don't know, did bad things, and you're not sorry for them, I feel like that's how you would go tell because like just in your everyday life it's I don't typically forgive people that don't say sorry like if they wrong me and they don't mm -hmm. say sorry they're not sorry for it mm -hmm. do I forgive them for it no yeah I've struggled with that I actually in my own should I probably but <laughs> in an ideal world yeah I'm yeah. not God <laughs> yeah uh actually in my own personal life I ran into a scenario where I was expressing some frustrations about um a previous working environment where I felt like you know several job steps back where I felt really uh unfairly railroaded in a certain aspect that you know just I'm never going to get closure on. It's just kind of like, a, yeah, that wasn't really a fair shake, but that's well in the past by now. And somebody asked, well, have you ever considered just forgiving him? And I I just went like blue screen. Like I just... It's a hard concept. It really is. Like especially if they're not in my life anymore. Like how do you forgive that? How do you take that energy and just let it go? You know... That's a good question. I don't know. I'm not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the fact that you're willing to say, yeah, I don't know, but I'd like to find out. That right there shows that quality of, well, I mean, long run, you're probably going to be okay. You know, it sounds like according to how you view the world, hell is not a super crowded place. It sounds like it's not. I would hope not. Yeah, like it's not sparsely populated, but like not exactly packed at the brim either. Yeah. Okay. I I 
honestly don't know. I hope to never go. <laughs> that's yeah, not your problem. Don't have to worry about it. It's not gonna. And I also am very unsure of whether heaven is a super populated place either. I feel that purgatory is definitely a super crowded place because I feel like you could be there for forever. What if you don't have any loved ones anymore? What if no one's praying for you? Now, see, I wanted to get to this that you mentioned earlier, too. And please, if this at all at any point feels like I'm putting you on trial and asking you questions, just tell me to you know back off and cool it. But do you feel in your – like, is this more from your education in your faith or is this more from your own understanding of how things work the idea of the chorus raising their voices to god you know the more people asking for prayers to be sent up the more saints that they ask to pray for their deceased people does the greater voice of all the multitude does that influence the outcome don't know and there's a piece I mean, there that doesn't seem to bother you i mean that, that doesn't seem like that's a point of contention you're just yeah that's not my answer that's not your problem that's because i mean at the point you're dead <laughs> you don't have any say over it anymore mm-hmm. you've lived your life you've made your choices you've either lived with them or said, hey, this isn't for me. I don't want to continue in this path. And you've chosen a different path. And in your... And you can hear the rhythm of my speech now whenever I'm like gearing up for a bigger question and kind of like cock back. I'm like, all right. So in your... In your understanding of it then, do you... How do you feel about predestination versus free will? Do you feel that there's, if this is all planned out, does God have a plan for all of this? Or is this kind of like he set the, he's got the sheet music and we're all kind of improvising around the same tune? God always has a plan. We don't know what it is and how we live our lives may alter that plan. It's the same as... When you have a plan for the day and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then something comes up and you're like, okay, I can't do that now because I need to do this. I feel like God probably has similar plans like that. Like, oh, well, I was hoping to have them do this, but this happened. So maybe that'll come into play later. Not like he's like moving us around like chess pieces, but... No, yeah, like, it doesn't sound like that's your mojo. He, I feel that God has an end plan for us, and we are given free will to make our own choices and choose what we want to do. And sometimes it doesn't align with what God's plan was and sometimes things don't happen in your life because you're like well that obviously was not what God's plan was for me so I thought that this was going to work but it didn't like thinking back I would have thought I would have been married and had a family of my own by now 
and that's nowhere near in the future for me. So that, that you've that seen I, so far. That I've seen of so far. There you are could, no guys in my life right now. <laughs> you could stop to get gas on the way home and just kind of bump into somebody and just I have to follow that guy. <laughs> like just meet the... Yes, I'm going to follow you home. <laughs> <laughs> not in the not in the in the dangerous sense. Just the idea of like at any point in your life, as long as you're open to it and putting yourself out there, you could meet the right person and just like, oh, mm-hmm. that's there it is right there in the cards. But if it's not currently happening Yeah. The older people listening might understand the reference of electric football for an example of how to plan this stuff out. But the, I think a little more universal for anybody listening to this, and I say this from a real biased thing I got to unpack here, but the idea that, um, like the amazing race where you just want to get from A to B on far sides of the globe, you have an idea of how to get there, and then anything else that happens along the way is part of the journey, and just, we're going to see. This is part of it. This is kind of, all right, hopefully you get to Budapest, and if not, that's how the journey ends. So have you had much experience in your life with death um, as somebody who's not out of their 20s? Has it been mostly like family members or people in the community? Or have you dealt with much of it head on yourself? Um, I've had several family members who have passed away um, in the past five, six years now. I have lost two grandparents and my godfather. So, who, all of which I was fairly close to. Hmm. So, each one is hard in their own way. Yeah. And it's, it's just interesting. Because <laughs> death for me is not easy. But it's, at least for me, two of the people, two of those three people that have been in my life and have passed away were suffering and not feeling well. So it would be selfish to want them to still be here when they could be in heaven and not feeling any pain anymore yeah and that's it's hard when you you recognize it's part of the natural journey that it's everything ends this is part of the process and something i've certainly taken to heart from my own uh being raised in a lutheran household just the idea that this isn't the end that this is just a vessel for who you are and eventually this machine runs out you know Mm -hmm. it it has nothing to do with the life you've led or how much people love you or how much you love people that this just the machine ends the the body the body stops and do you uh the soul carries on yeah so this is you're you're going whole whole stakes in here soul capital s there's definitely a, a light a goodness a something inside of us that's yes. ephemeral and unknowable in the scientific sense that there's something that goes out yeah i believe that we all have a soul and 
obviously our physical bodies are not what's going to heaven with us. Yeah. They're, they're still on earth, rotten in the ground. So and I've had people say directly contradictory stuff that like, mm-hmm. oh, I think part of your body like will be like, you're going to have some skeleton parts. Here. Like, really? That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. No, so the, huh. that's why I love asking these questions because when else like you're not gonna talk about this at work are you (laughs) (laughs) well i mean sometimes possibly yeah i mean rocking babies like i love them but sometimes it gets a little boring (laughs) so there's something there there's there's an eternal being inside of us yes um how the funeral i've most recently been to was for my wife's grandmother and it was one of the most uh, old school dogmatic catholic funerals that i've been to uh ever just because it was a very small town it was a very old congregation um so that was interesting for me to see what that looks like and you know how the funeral is yes it's to honor and revere the dead but it's also for the living for the people who are there to it really is for the living to participate in the ritual and mm-hmm. have a chance to say goodbye. And it's been interesting to see how people have dealt with changing views on that. If Are you seeing anything like that in your in the congregation you're currently participating in? Are you seeing that there's a push at all to get away from traditional funerals? Or is that still a thing that's happening very much in the community? Funerals are still very much part of the community it's as catholics we believe it's a it's called a corporal work of mercy to bury the dead a corporal work of mercy so meaning you're taking it's an act of benevolence that you're mm -hmm. taking the deceased and entombing them you hope someone buries you in return someday sure it's it's just what you do you bury the dead or yeah we believe that they should be buried. You can be cremated, but your ashes should be buried. Interesting. And why? I don't know why that is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you saw that coming a mile away. I just I look up off to the left and, and why? Um, so no... I'm sure there's a reason. Oh just... yeah, no, and things... I don't know it. <laughs> like it always blew my mind that you could dovetail religion and. Uh, superstitious practices of you know touch this thing three times and spin around and do this to you know that there's a certain element of that but there's also yeah pork spoils really fast so in the desert heat pork would be the first thing to go bad or like shellfish would go like instantly bad in the desert heat so uh in uh ancient jewish culture they said yeah no pork uh, cloven hooved animals and you know shellfish these things spoil instantly they are dirty animals they are unclean do not participate like oh so that that dovetails into like there's a reason why yeah 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 that really that just i found that so fascinating when i was first learning that do you feel that i'm just gonna pull this band-aid off do you put any stock in ghosts of any kind no not at all so like if your friends are like if you got a phone call from a friend of yours at like midnight saying i got up i went to the bathroom and when i came back to bed there was a shadow standing in the corner like some if your friend called you freaking out with the <laughs> if there's a shadow there's someone there yeah, call get, the police go. get out of there uh, hit them with a big stick <laughs> <laughs> don't wait don't hesitate don't think about it hit and go 
Uh, make you, a lot of noise. <laughs> yeah, really. Make yourself look larger to scare them. Pull yes. your jacket out. Um, no stock in ghosts whatsoever. No. Haunted houses, you don't buy into any of that. I mean, do they scare me? Yes, because I'm a weenie. <laughs> danger is danger. No, so, there's a difference between scary and I'm trying to figure out what it is that seems so dangerous or like insurmountable or just beyond my understanding the idea of ghosts that it's like okay no matter how i try to explain it it sounds like some cartoonish um comic book logic of like well if it was actually a memory sense being played back from the 1800s you know that like you can't interact with it but like that's completely made up based on my own interpretation of something so it's i guess the unknowable element to it that really throws me off of what is that you know do you think in your own personal view of it, like, do you think it's all just hogwash? Yeah, I don't. I don't think ghosts exist. I don't believe in them. Um, we, I mean, we always joke. Oh, it's the ghost of Sister Rita uh. because weird things would happen in an old church building, and realistically, it's gravity and wind and shifting but you would joke oh it's the ghost of the nuns do we believe it no gotcha okay is do we believe like there can be winds of the holy spirit tell me more about that so as catholics we believe god is three persons you have the father son and the holy spirit Mm mm-hmm and winds of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Wind. That's the, yeah, the manifestation. <laughs> I could try to wrap my head around that as best I could when I was going to Catholic middle school and high school. Uh, by the time I got to Catholic college, I started to wonder, why am I doing this if I'm not Catholic? What's <laughs> You don't have to do this. Um, but I could wrap my head, or, my head around kind of the duality of God and Jesus being one and the same and, you know, coming down becoming like they're different mortal. people but they're the same person yeah but then the holy spirit was always difficult to kind of put a finer point to of what that is and do you think that's more of the the, the nebulous holy spirit kind of... is harder to explain i don't know if i have a good explanation of the holy spirit hmm. how to explain and i don't expect you to almost I think of it almost as like a helper. Hmm. Kind of like a gar- more familiar concept, a guardian angel. Okay. Only it's bigger than an angel. Have you had anything in your life that you'd be willing to share of like, not supernatural, but like a, an event or something you could point to where something very unusual happened of like, all right, if I'm not there and my mom wasn't there, who opened the door for the, like, is anything like I mean, that? not of... like that. I mean, I've been in, like, accident with my car when I should have rolled my car many, many times, and I just slid into the ditch when the angle and the speed I was going and the ice that I hit, I should have flipped my car multiple times, but I didn't. I'm like, well, my guardian angel was working overtime today. Seriously. Keeping my wheels on the ground. So, Do you feel that 
death is in any way something that people of <laughs> let's see this is where I draw the line again people of your generation people younger people like yourself is this something anybody's talking about or is it I've felt like there is some kind of a zeitgeist happening where it's a current theme that comes up in pop culture of we're all gonna die that it's shows about it and that there are there's this unspoken like unacknowledged elephant in the room of we're all gonna die and I don't think we're talking enough about it like do you think people are does any of that make sense to you that we're I don't think people my younger people think enough (laughs) (laughs) in general um I was gonna ask you like you don't need to be a representative for your generation but you're like yeah the bunch of dum-dums aren't gonna say (laughs) throw them all under the bus Michelle I will. Uh, <laughs> Be better. Come on. Do better. You don't think there's like, enough? I, I think back, like, at my age, my mom had two kids already. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> no, I, I... I thoroughly enjoy, after spending a day with kids, going home to my bed and sleeping all night long with mm-hmm. no one waking me up. Mom. It's great. Mom. Yeah. So this is something that, you're aware of it's out there but it's not something that's necessarily like keeping you up at night you don't no it's not uh and that just blows my mind i have I work s- with babies all day i sleep very well at night sleep like the <laughs> proverbial baby i'm sure you do i just it's for me it's amazing to know that almost everybody i've had down here to talk about this stuff Man, it is a solid majority that don't worry about this stuff. Like, that's why I want to talk to people about it. That's why it just, it's interesting to me. I want to know, anybody out there that's listening, for all that is good and holy, tell me what you're thinking. Why, what is wrong, <laughs> what's wrong with me? What's what's <laughs> not wrong with my guests? That That I'm constantly thinking about this, that I can see that there are iterations of this happening in pop culture that... Um, dealing with grief, dealing with death, dealing with sudden loss, dealing with the unexpected. It's like we're not being sold this idea of the end coming up on stuff. And like everything else we can deal with in that you're seeing the very beginning of it, the white hot light of fresh life. Like other people who have been on have talked about, well, babies haven't existed for very long. They're closer to non-existence than a lot of adults. So they've got a different take on what it means to be a little living baby. You know, like, you're like, you're right there at the front line of like, welcome to the world, babies. Do you think that shapes your, your view on things and it refreshes your positivity and perseverance at all? Or am I just projecting too much? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> um... I think life is very much what you make of it. You can choose to think everything is symbolic, sim- symbolically important, mm. or you can accept things at face value. Mm. And a dog is a dog. I'm not going to argue you on that. I I tend to take things at face value and like 
Does that make me naive? Maybe. But you know what? I'm happy. <laughs> no, you seem pretty well adjusted. I'd rather be naive and happy <laughs> than over... I'm not saying I don't think about things and overthink things, but you I try get... not to overthink everything. Yeah, you don't get a prize for cynicism and like, I saw that coming. We were all going to die. Like, there's no benefit to that. <laughs> it's no, just... I mean, it's part of life is death. It's it's what happens. People die. It's sure. normal. Is it hard for the people still living? Yes, if you were close to them. But you're also being selfish by wanting them still on Earth. Maybe they were done with their life. Maybe they're ready for the next step. And you're, you wanting them on Earth is just holding them back. Hmm. Like my, my grandpa Ritter, he fought very short, intense battle with pancreatic cancer. Um, we found out he had stage four pancreatic cancer and six weeks later he passed away. I'm sorry. So it was short and it was awful. And that was the first time I've seen, I've watched someone die. And that was intense and hard for me but he was ready he didn't want to suffer anymore so well thank you for sharing all this i really appreciate it has there been and i didn't prep you very much for this ending of a question but is there anything for anybody listening out there anything you'd like to put out there to the audience at large of just you know anything from be kinder to yourself to read this particular book or uh, turn your lights on when it rains. <laughs> like any <laughs> any particular thing that that you would like to impart on the world, just say things might be a little easier if you do this or a message to take home. Choose happiness. It is a choice. You can choose to be happy. Yes, there are bad things going on in the world and there always will be. And... I don't want to say, oh, you can't do anything about it. We can all do our part to make the world a better place to live. But don't focus on the bad. There's always going to be bad. There's always going to be 12 bad things for every good thing you think of. But try to switch that around. Think of three good things that happened that day for every bad thing. Like today, I have a baby who was teething and was attached to my hip all day long. And yeah, it was a tough day. But you know what? I got excellent snuggles. We had great bonding time. And he gave me some really wet, slobbery kisses that <laughs> were kind of gross. But they they meant a lot to him. And he's learning from them because he made the muh sound when Aww. he kissed my face so it's fun to see those little bits and pieces that they pick up because mm -hmm. they truly are watching that's not a thing little kids are watching you make better choices yeah put your phone down be present <laughs> choose happiness don't just yeah. complain about stuff i like that that's very 
Michelle, that is very on brand. And wipe for you. their noses. Yeah. Oh. Don't let them eat their snot. It's gross. I know. It's. You feel like you're just constantly on them, but even more so. It just... It's all day, every day. Oh, it's boy. just so many boogers. <laughs> Sorry for everyone that that completely grosses out. No, I've got a two-year-old, and Michelle's got uh, an army of kids she takes care of every day, so we're well-versed in the abundance of boogers. Yes. I mean, I probably have many on my shirt. (laughs) It's an amazing day. I did not get puked on, so it's a good day. Cool. All right. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. No problem. 